keep that uh, passage open before you. Uh, we're continuing to look at the Sermon on the Mount. We've already seen this week how we are different, how we are salt and light, how we will be persecuted in the world. We've seen why we are different because of the good news of the gospel, because of Christ's work on our behalf and because of Christ's work in us. And then yesterday we had a glimpse at what this heavenly life looks like, knowing that we have God as our Father changes how we do everything. It changes our motivation. We don't serve now to get from God because God has given everything to us freely in Christ Jesus. But it is out of love and gratitude to him. It is by grace then uh, that we serve God. And that sounds wonderful, but in fact it's the most frightening thing because it means that if we're saved by grace, then God can demand anything, everything from you. We're going to continue to look at chapter 6 of uh, Matthew's Gospel, and uh, we're going to ask the question, uh, where is our heart? Where is our heart? What is your treasure? What's important to you? What's your ambition in life? What are your priorities in life? And yesterday, as we looked at the subject of motivation, what drives us, we said that it is very hard to discern our own hearts. Our hearts are deceptive, and uh, we can easily blind ourselves. Uh, We can so obviously deceive ourselves in matters of the heart. And so when we look at Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells us this very strange uh, story in verses 22 and 23 about the eye being the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of uh, light. Sorry, full of darkness, full of light. Okay, you you can read it there. And, and, And you ask yourself, well, what's he saying there? He's saying, well, if you can see clearly, then everything is well with you. But if your eyes become darkened, if you can't see clearly, then your whole body is affected. He's saying, if your eyes are clouded by the things of this world, by materialism, for example, then your whole life will be affected. Um, And often the word eye and heart are very close together, so we could actually put it like this. It says, what you fix your hearts upon affects your whole life. And we need to ask the question, well, what are our hearts fixed on? What is important to us? Where are our priorities, our ambitions? And Jesus, I think, gives us two uh, ways to discern that in this passage in in chapter 6. The first thing he says is there in verse 21, because he says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so we can ask ourselves the question, what's important to me? What's most important to me? And we can begin to answer that question by thinking about our lives and thinking about how we spend our time, for example. We all have heard people say, oh, I just don't have time for this. The truth is we all have the same amount of time, 168 hours a week. 
But where do we spend our time? Where does the majority of that time go upon? What do we use that time for? What's important for us? That's a very good way to discern where our treasure is, where our ambitions lie, what are our priorities in life. Or we could ask the question, where does our energy go? What do we spend our energy on in the week? Or perhaps an even better question would be, and in keeping with this passage, we could ask the question, how do I spend my money? Now, I know you probably say, well, you know, I have to spend money on food. I have the mortgage to pay. I have uh, heating bills and petrol and so on. All these necessities. Yes, we have to pay for all of those things, of course. But where do you like to spend money? That's the question. What do you like to spend your money on? You see, Ruth will come to me and say something like, oh, we need a new sofa, we need new curtains. And I think, well, we haven't got any money for that. But when I'm on the internet and I see there's a new book, I don't know what she said there. (laughs) Okay. Maybe something else. But when I see a new book on the internet, suddenly that money magically appears. I can easily spend money on books. It's not hard for me at all. And I think, well, why, do, why is that the case? Is it just because I like to read, because I like to know things, or maybe it's because I like to be known as a person who knows things? Maybe you spend your money on uh, a gym subscri- subscription or playing sports, and maybe that's because for you what is important is being the best at something, being able to win, or you're concerned about your body and how you look. That's the most important thing. Or maybe this morning you're Scottish, and you don't like to spend your money. Sorry. I can say that. See, my name is Malcolm Firth. You can't get more Scottish than that, can you? You save your money. You put it, invest it in stocks and shares. You put it in the bank. And maybe you think, well, I'm just not like everyone else. They're spending their money. But then the question is, why do you save? Why is that so important to you? And maybe it's because... You need that financial security. It gives you a sense of security that whatever happens in life, well, we've got money in the bank. We'll be okay. And it's just a way of staying in control of your life. Now, let me just say, it's important I do say because I can see Jim sitting there. It's not wrong to buy books. Okay. And it's not wrong to have a gym subscription and it's not wrong to save money in the bank. But it is our attitude to those things. It is our attachment to those things. The value that they hold to us. If they become the most important thing in our life, then there is a problem. You see, a person could put all their money in the bank and save it, and then the bank could collapse. And it has done in Latvia several times, and people have lost everything. And although that's very sad, their life continues. Why? Because money was not the most important thing to them. But if it is the most important thing for you and you lose that money, then your life falls apart. Life is no longer worth living. So where we spend our time, where we spend our energy, where we spend our money can be good indicators to to tell us what is important to us, where our priorities are, what our ambitions are in life. Jesus warns us about anything Becoming too important. Anything other than God 
See there in verse 24, he says, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And in the old uh, translation, it says God and mammon. And mammon is, is really anything that you can put your trust in, anything that you put your hope in, anything that you find joy and meaning and purpose from. And uh, in the NIV, they've put money there, and they've capitalized that because they're saying there as well that money can be a god. That's what Jesus is saying here. You see, when anything becomes most important to you, anything other than God, then it becomes a god to you. Or as the Bible uses the word, an idol, a false god. And anything is able to become a false god. Money or power or the desire to be married or or to be physically attractive or to have a good education or to have a career. And none of those things in and of themselves are bad things. But when they become the most important thing, when you set your heart upon that thing, when you fix your ambitions upon those things, then they become another God. They become an idol. And Jesus says you can't serve God and mammon, another thing that you put your trust in. In fact, he goes on to say that these idols, these things that we put our trust in, we end up serving. They become our slave masters. And you know how that is. You can be very concerned about your career, your job, and so concerned that you spend more and more time at work and the hour gets longer until you return home. You spend less time with your family. It consumes you. It takes all of your time, all of your energy, all of your thoughts. You don't have time for anything else. It has become your slave master. It demands more and more and more from you and gives back little. It promises much and returns nothing at all. And so Jesus is saying here, where is your treasure? What is your heart fixed upon? Look at how you spend your time, your energy, and your money and discern these things. And there's a second way that Jesus showed, tries to show us our hearts. And that is in verses 25 to 34 here because here he talks about worry. Here he talks about anxiety. And I want to ask you, what do you worry about? What do you lie awake at night thinking about? So much so that you can't go to sleep. In verses uh, 25 and 26 here, Jesus uh, tells us that the worry is not some psychological problem, but it's a theological problem. It is a failure to grasp God's fatherly care. It is, in uh, verse 30, the same as not trusting God having little faith, not believing that God will take care of us. That's what leads to worry, when we're not trusting God. And worry, Jesus says, is pointless. (laughs) Look at verse uh, 27 there. He says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? You can't do anything. Worry achieves nothing. No one can do that. So what does what do we worry about? Well, we are worrying about the things that are important to us. Things that are so important to us that we're worried we may lose them one day. That's why we worry. They're precious to us. They're our treasure. They're valuable to us. Or they're very important to us and they're our ambition 
and we don't have them. And so we worry about how we can get these things. We worry about getting these things or about losing these things because these things are important to us. And so Jesus is saying, we need to ask these questions. You need to ask these questions to begin to understand your heart. Where does your desire lie? Where are your ambitions? What is, where is your priority? What are your priorities in life? Where is your treasure? Well, what do we do about these things? Jesus says here, this is a battle, really. A battle between gods. Will you serve idols? These earthly things that you put your hope and your trust in and you think that you'll find joy and happiness in? Or will you trust the true and living God, your heavenly Father? That's the battle. And Jesus here talks a lot about how we deal with worry. He tells us there in verse uh, 26, he says to us, we can learn a lot by looking at nature. He says, look at the birds. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now Jesus is not saying then you you just need to sit back and hit, drop food into your mouth. No, you are people who do sow and reap and store. So he's not saying, you know, you do work. That's good. You should work and trust God. But God will take care of you. And he asks the question, are you not more valuable to God than the birds of the air? And in verse 28, he says, now look around, look at the lilies of the field. They don't labor, they don't spin, and yet look how they're dressed. They're dressed even more magnificently than King Solomon. Are you not more valuable than grass, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire? Are you? Are you not more valuable than birds of the air and the grass? The answer is, of course you are. Did God send his son to die for grass? Did he adopt birds into his family? Of course you're more valuable than the birds of the air and the grass of the field. God takes care of them. How much more will he take care of you? And so he says there in verse 32, Don't worry. Don't be like the pagans. Who are the pagans? The pagans are the people who don't know God as Father. And they have to be concerned about these things. They have to be concerned about what they will eat and drink and wear. Because they have no one else to take care of them. But you don't need to because you have a father in heaven who has promised to take care of you. Just think of any healthy family. Children get up in the morning. They're not worrying about what they're going to eat or drink that day. Mommy's going to take care of that. They're not worried about what they're going to wear. Of course there's going to be clothes for them. Their parents are going to take care of that. Jesus is saying, you have a heavenly father. And he will do that for you. Rather, he says in verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Set your priorities there. Set your ambition there. The rest, leave that to God. He will take care of that. But for you, focus on the rule of God. Focus upon his eternal kingdom and his righteousness. What is he saying there? He's talking about speaking the word of the gospel, witnessing, evangelism, cross-cultural Mission. He's talking about church planting. He's talking about envision. He's talking about all of these things where we seek to communicate the gospel 
so that God's kingdom is built up. And he's talking about his righteousness. He's talking there about us being salt and light in the communities and families and workplaces where we live. Put God first. Seek his kingdom, first of all. Not your own kingdom, but God. Make that your desire. Make that your purpose. Make that the center of your life. The supremacy of Christ above all else. And leave God to take care of those other things that he has promised to you to do. You see, it's a wonderful thing that Jesus is saying here. He's saying if you're a Christian, you are freed. You are freed from worrying about all the things of daily life. What you will eat, what you will drink, what you will wear. You have been set free so that you can give yourself wholly to Christ and the extension of his kingdom. Now, I'm not saying you have to do full-time Christian service. I'm not saying that. Wherever you are as Christians, in your workplaces, in your schools, in your homes, at the gate, at uh, school time when you go and collect the children, at the, at the uh, sink when you're washing up, all of those places, in all of those places, you have opportunities there to speak of Christ, to witness of him, to serve him in those places. But you're set free, set free from those daily concerns that the pagans are running up. And so if we go back to six, chapter 6, verse 19, where Jesus says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. If you know God as your heavenly Father, If you know that he loves you, if you know that he will take care of you, you don't need to store up treasures on earth. But if you don't, then this makes no sense at all. If you don't know that there's someone caring for you, of course you've got to care for yourself. Of course you've got to store up treasures here on earth. And yes, even though moths may eat those treasures and rust may come and thieves break in and steal, you still got to do your best to protect those treasures. Buy some spray, destroy those moths, set up the burglar alarms so that thieves can't get in and steal. Try your hardest because that's all you've got. But if you know God as your father, you don't need to store up treasures here, but store up treasures in heaven. There are things more important, things that you do here on earth that will have eternal and lasting significance and weight. God's kingdom is eternal. It's unshakable. You invest in that. You make that your priority. You make that your ambition. That's treasure in heaven. You turn from these worthless idols and you serve him, the true living God, your heavenly father. Make Christ your treasure. When he's your ultimate treasure, everything else you can hold with a loose grasp. You can let it go. You can be generous. You can use your time. You can use your money. You can use your gifts, all that he first gave you for the extension of his kingdom. Yesterday I was talking to somebody and they reminded me of the story of uh, John Patton. Some of you know that story, yeah? John Patton, great uh, missionary to the New Hebrides, 
now called Van Vanuata, Vanatu, yeah, it was the New Hebrides. Um, and in 1858, um, he went with his wife and son. They went uh, there. And uh, the year after he arrived there, he uh, buried his wife and his son, uh, buried them both. Four years he served on that island. Um, it was an island where they're cannibals. The first missionaries that went there, uh, they, said they got onto the shore. And within minutes, they were killed and eaten by these cannibals. Um, John Patton said that uh, when he observed their worship, they, they worshipped idols and they had a sense of fear. They had no idea of a God of mercy and grace. Well, he was driven from the island, but then he went back four years later, took his second wife and carried on working there. But before he went, when he announced his intention to go, Somebody stood up in the meeting and said, Mr. Patton, you will be eaten by cannibals. And this is what he said. The man who said that was a Mr. Dixon. So John Patton stood up and said, Mr. Dixon, you are old and advanced in years. And soon you will be laid in the grave and your body will be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I can but live and die, serving and honouring the Lord Jesus Christ. It makes no difference whether I'm eaten by cannibals or by worms, because in that great day, my resurrection body will rise as fair as yours in the likeness of my risen Redeemer. Isn't that wonderful, yeah? But he said there, I, if I can but live and die. Serving and honouring the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ gave up all for us. He left the riches of heaven and came into this world to set us free from this world that we would be enabled to serve him. Jim is telling the story of Nate Saint and I'm jumping ahead here and I hope he doesn't mind. But one of those missionaries with Nate was Jim Elliot and he kept a journal and you'll know these famous words that he spoke. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What's your ambition? Where's your treasure? Where's your heart? Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you would search us by your spirit and show to us the things that may have captured our hearts are things of this world. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us and give us the grace and the, and the ability to tear the dearest idols from our hearts and to worship you alone. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to give all that we have been given, our time, our money, our energy, our gifts, even our lives, for the glory of proclaiming the name of Jesus among the nations, that he might be supreme, that he might reign and rule this world. We ask in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.